It's so good to have Brother Bill Prater with us. I mentioned last night the first time I went to the church there in Liberal, the only time I was ever at that church, really. Uh, he was the music director, was introduced to him. He's been to our church a time since then, but I appreciate him. Pastored the church there after Brother Landis was gone. Now his son pastors the church. What a blessing. You come preach for us, brother. So good to have you. All it says back there is kiss. So I'm not sure why they're telling me to keep it short, stupid, but <laughs> we will uh, do our best. It is, uh, it is good to be here and to get to reconnect with, with so many of you. And of course, so, so many of you were dear friends of my pastor and his wife. And I just want to thank you. Uh, for that, some of his dearest friends are uh, sitting in this room uh, tonight, and you are a great encouragement uh, to him and to Brother Lindblom and to other men who uh, were on a journey. And uh, I, I appreciate you uh, appreciate you doing that. And thank you, Brother Smith, for the opportunity uh, to preach. Um, Although I have to be honest with the lineup this morning and just looking out amongst those that are sitting out there, um, I feel somewhat like the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. <laughs> We're both out of our league. <laughs> if you're a Cowboys fan, I'm sorry. Not sorry. How many of you know that things aren't always as they seem? Case in point, two gas company employees, one a senior supervisor, the other just a young trainee, were out checking meters one day and they parked their truck at the end of the alley and started making their way down the alley and they were checking each meter as it came. They got to the end of the alley in the last meter and it needed some repairs and so they were kneeling down there and they were doing what they needed to do and all the while the lady of the house, she was watching out the kitchen window and as they were kneeling there and they were about to wrap up the job, the supervisor turned to the, the young trainee and he said, I bet I can beat you back to the truck. And so it was on from there. And so they finished what they needed to do and both of them just took off as fast as they could, running down the alley, racing to the truck. And so when they get to the truck, they hear somebody behind them. And it's the lady in the house. And she's running for all she's worth. And so when she gets there, the supervisor asked her, man, what's wrong? She said, I figured when I saw two gas company employees running as fast as they could away from the meter, I figured I better run too. <laughs> With the Lord's help, I want to preach to you tonight under the title, Things Aren't Always what they seem. Be making your way to the book of Exodus chapter 14 and stand with me if you're willing and able to do that tonight. 
What we're about to read follows what we know to be the Exodus. And of course, the Exodus involves one of the greatest miracles that that God ever did, the miracle of, of the Red Sea. Little fella came home from Sunday school one day, and his mama asked him, What did you learn in Sunday school? He said, Mom, I learned that Moses went behind enemy lines and he rescued all of the children of Israel. And he called the Israeli Corps of Engineers and he had them build a pontoon bridge over the Red Sea so all of the people could get to the other side. And then when the Egyptians started crossing, he called in the Israeli Air Force And they blew those people to pieces. His mom looked at him and said, is that really what they taught you? And he looked at his mom and said, no, not really. But if I told you or she told us, you'd never believe me. (laughs) There are some unbelievable miracles in the word of God. Look at the last verse of chapter 14. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. You may be seated. Chapter 15 opens with a song of praise for 21 verses the Israelites sang and praised the Lord for all that he had done on their behalf. But after that, their tune changed. Look at chapter 15 and verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah. For they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken, to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Though the children of Israel thought that they had been led astray by Moses and were surely going to die in the wilderness for lack of water, things were not what they seemed. And may I submit to you tonight that even though the situations and circumstances of our lives often seem to be hopeless, things are not always what they seem. As we delve deeper into this passage, let's consider first of all the unfailing providence of God. 
I know that you know what I know, and that is that Moses and the Israelites did not end up at Mara on accident. They weren't there because someone couldn't read the map. They weren't there because they were unlucky. They were there because God had led them there by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Church, listen, sometimes God, in his providence, leads us to places we would rather not be. Sometimes they're hard and difficult places. Sometimes they're troubling places. Sometimes they're confusing places. Sometimes they're burdensome places. Yea, even bitter places. But remember tonight, things are not always what they seem. Because there's always the unknown purpose of God. Unbeknownst to the children of Israel, God had a purpose for them being at Mara. We read it at the end of verse 25, and there he proved them. Whenever an automobile manufacturer comes out with a, a new car, they put that car through a, a series of tests to prove it. They ride it over all kinds of different terrain. They drive it through water and they drive it through extreme heat and cold and, and they drive that car for many, many miles screeching and turning and twisting and sliding and starting and stopping and doing all kinds of extreme maneuvers just to see if it can stand the test. By the same token, God was testing the Israelites. Not so he could know what was in their hearts. He already knew what was there. He wanted them to know what was in their hearts. And needless to say, with all of their belly aching and all of their complaining, they didn't pass the test. But my friend, they didn't just fail. They failed miserably. Reminded of the young college student who went to his professor one day and he said, Sir, I don't believe that I deserve the F you gave me on this test. And he looked at him and he said, Son, I don't believe you deserve it either, but it's the lowest grade we have. <laughs> that is not a personal story, by the way. Hey, listen, nothing, nothing brings out the real us like trials and tribulations. Or as someone has said, adversity introduces a man to himself. Listen to Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 3. The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. It's when God turns up the heat that we and others begin to see what we're really like. Trials tell us whether we're more attached to the blessings 
or to the one who gives the blessings. Trials tell us whether we're more in love with the gifts or with the giver. Trials are as telling as a busted pinata. What happens when a kid swings that bat and breaks that pinata wide open and candy flies everywhere? Do the kids run for the candy or for the pinata? Seward County, Kansas is 70% Hispanic. I've seen a lot of pinatas broken. And not one time, Brother Smith, have I ever seen a young kid run over that pinata and say, oh, I can't believe I did that you. I'm so shocked. That's just not fair. It's not right. Every single time I've seen those kids run for the candy. Why? Because they can care less about the pinata. All they want is what the pinata can give them. And listen, if we're not careful, you and I can become the same way. Where our life really isn't about God as much as it's about what God can give us and what God can do for us. And I'm going to tell you tonight, it's when our life breaks that those kinds of things are revealed. Oswald Chambers once said, a saint's life is in the hands of God as a bow and arrow in the hands of an archer. Any archers here? Any deer hunters, bow hunters? I right, good. Don't be ashamed to ever raise your hand for crying out loud. So I, I want you to get this picture in your mind. Got God, he's the, the ultimate archer. And he's got his bow. And you and I as his children are the arrows. Chambers went on to say, God is aiming at something the saint cannot see. He stretches and strains. And every now and again, the saint says, I can't take anymore. But God does not heed. He goes on stretching until his his point is in view. Then he lets fly. And then Chambers said this. We are here for God's designs. Not for our own. One of the realities of life is that things do not always go our way. And we don't always find ourselves in places we like. And the reason that is true is because as a child of God, life isn't about us. Our life is about God and His glory. We are here for God's designs, not for our own. And nothing proves that any better than when we find ourselves at Mara. It's there that we will either become bitter or better. The Israelites became bitter. 
And thus we see them as the unbelieving people of God. Look at that last verse of chapter 14 again. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 6, thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as an heap. And the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Verse 11, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou, verse 13, in thy mercy has led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The Lord, verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. The Israelites were joyfully and confidently singing God's praises after what they saw him do at the Red Sea and and knowing something of their culture, no doubt they were dancing gleefully around. Listen, life was good. But then we come to the end of verse 22. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And the people that believed God and believed Moses and spent 21 verses singing God's praises murmured saying what shall we In just three short days, not months, not weeks, but days, Israel went from praising and singing and glorifying God to griping and complaining and murmuring against Moses. 
And if you'll read, I believe it's verse 8 of chapter 16, here's what you'll find. They really weren't doing that to Moses. They were doing that to God. Again, I'll say tonight that nothing brings out the real us like trials and tribulations. What's really in our hearts, not when we gather together as a group like this and seeing how great thou art and Oh, can it be, and, 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 and grace, grace, God's grace. No, 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 not, not then. But what's really in our hearts is exposed when it's bad. You see, it's one thing to shout in the sunshine, but can you sing in the shadow? songwriter said life is good when we're up on the mountain but talk comes easy you listening talk comes easy when life's at its best you see when life's at its best God is glorious and strong and worthy to be exalted When life's at its best, God is glorious in power. When life's at its best, there's no one like God, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Hey, listen, when life's at its best, the Lord shall reign forever. (laughs) But it's down in the valley. The trials, temptations, and maras, and pandemics, and struggling finances, and declining attendance, and failing health, and wayward children, and travel bans, and crushing losses. Listen, that's where faith is really put to the test. The fact that the children of Israel Got angry with God at Mara proves, in my mind anyway, that they really didn't believe in their hearts what they were singing three days earlier. And the same is true for us. When we claim to believe that all things work together for good to them who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, yet we get crossways with God when the all things are not to our liking. Oh, no, 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 God, really, serious, serious. I, I believe it's all things except for this thing. No, no, God, I'm not a Bible denier. I believe every word in that book, and when that book says all things, I, I believe, Brother Jim, I believe it's all things, but, but that thing or some other thing. Let me ask you tonight, do you think God did what he did for the Israelites in bringing them out of Egypt and through the Red Sea so he could abandon them three days later? No. By the same token, do you, do you think God did what he did for us? I'm talking about sending his son to die for our sins just so he could save us and then abandon us? No. No. Do you think God has forgiven us so he could fail us? 
You think that somehow he has delivered us so he could desert us? Who here thinks that God has lifted us up so he could let us down? Listen to what Paul said in Romans 5. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Paul's point here is this. If God loved us and saved us when we were his enemies, how much more will he do for us now that we are his children? And he makes the same argument in Romans 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If when we were sinners, God gave us his best. Now that we are his children, will he not continue to do what's best for us? Of course he will. Now, if we really believe these things, then we're not going to murmur or complain when he brings us into situations that may not necessarily be to our liking. Are you with me tonight? This brings us to yet another thought, and it's the unorthodox plan of God. Here are two million plus Jews. And they're all murmuring and griping. And what does Moses do? What he should have done. He prays. And look at what God does in response to his prayer. He gives him a solution. And he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. What I want us to learn here is that God has different ways of dealing with the Maras in our life. One thing that he may choose to do is he may choose to change our situation and remove the cause of bitterness. How many of you know God can do that? God's sovereign. God can do whatever he wants to do. And if he chooses it with a snap of a finger to just change everything that's bad in our life and make it good, God can do that. And he may choose to do that for you. Or he may choose to add a new ingredient, as he did in our text. For you laymen here tonight, here's an example. Instead of giving you a new job because you hate the job that you have now, he may give you a new boss. Or a new co-worker who makes your job situation a better place. Preacher, instead of giving you a new church to pastor, he may bring some new people that makes your ministry a sweeter place. Or, listen, or he may choose not to change anything. Come on. He may may choose not to change anything and just give you the grace to keep going day after day after day. Lord, remove this thorn from me. 
I don't know if Paul asked that three times and God gave one answer or if God answered every time, but here's what he said. My grace is sufficient. I love that word because it means enough. Paul, listen, my grace is enough for you today and it'll be enough for you tomorrow and it'll be enough for you the next day. Listen, God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Paul and Silas out of jail. He could have kept the three Hebrew children out of the fiery furnace. But you know as well as I do tonight that God never promised to keep us out of hard places. But what he has promised is to go with us. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. To go with us through the hard places and to bring us through victoriously, which brings us to this final thought tonight in verse 27, the unseen provisions of God and they came to Elam (laughs) where were 12 Mm, this is good where were 12 wells of water and three score and ten seventy palm trees and they encamped there by You see how awesome God is? Somebody tell me how many tribes of Israel were there? Twelve? Every tribe got their own well. Crystal, clear, clean water. Every elder got his own palm tree. Stretch out to this right there the below it just in the shade. You know what the children of Israel learned that day? Things are not always what they see. Things looked hopeless. Things looked helpless. But just over the horizon, there was Elam. You know how far Elam was from Mara? Some estimations say that it was as close as five miles. What would have happened if they would have turned around and gone back to Egypt? Just maybe five miles shy of 12 wells of crystal clear water. It is inevitable. Listen tonight. Is it inevitable? God is going to bring Samara's into our lives to test us. But don't forget, friend, things are not always what they seem. Somewhere out there, there's an Elam just beyond your Mara, just beyond the place of bitterness. It's a place of blessing. Just beyond the place of testing is a place of resting. Now let me make some quick application here to our current situation in the midst of this whole nutty pandemic. First of all, we're not here by mistake. We're not here or we are here because God allowed us to be here. 
God was not caught off guard. This thing did not surprise him. God was not over here on his throne one day when an angel reached, ran in and said, God, you'll never believe what's going on. God, it's crazy down there. These people are going nuts down there. It, it's just crazy. Oh, really? Really? What's going on? What's going on? Come on. That didn't happen. Even though we didn't see the first reported case until November the 17th of 2019 in China, God saw this coming from eternity past. Secondly, God could have prevented that whole thing. Amen? But he didn't. Brother Prater, why didn't he? I don't know. That's way above my pay grade. <laughs> but what I do know is that he has a plan. And he has a purpose. And I know it's times like this that reveal where our faith is. One final thing I know. The God that we serve pre-pandemic and the God that we serve in the middle of this thing is the same God that we will serve on the other side of this thing as well. He was and is and will forever be worthy of our love and our praise and our trust and our obedience. And these things are true tonight for any other situation that we may face, be facing, whether it's pandemic related or not. So let me say this tonight, whether you're struggling to recover numerically and or financially due to lockdowns or you're doing everything in your power right now to avoid a church split over masks, listen preacher, don't quit. Maybe it's a wayward son or daughter that's your place of difficulty right now. Don't quit. Maybe you're just frustrated by a myriad of ministry related issues. I get it. Don't you quit. For all you know, your Elam is not far away. So keep the faith. Be strong and of good courage. If you believe the Bible tonight, say amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, forgive us when we've doubted you. God, forgive us when we've acted contrary to the way we should have acted, even, even in the midst of this pandemic, God, forgive us for having our faith in the wrong place. And God, thank you for bringing something like this into our lives to help us refocus and recalibrate and get our faith back where it needs to be. And that's in a sovereign, providential God. And 
Lord, I don't know. I don't know what the Maras are that are represented here tonight. But Lord, in a crowd this size, there's a number of them, no doubt. Some may be family-related, marriage-related, health-related, parenting-related. There may be some pastors here tonight that are diligently seeking your will, and it's just so hard for them right now. And Maybe some missionaries that are just in limbo right now, and God, it's hard. Lord, please help them. God, please encourage them tonight. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.